Welcome back in another edition of the College Football News Podcast. Nick Shepkowski with you. Pete Putek out for this one, but I welcome in now from a man you've read his work. You've seen his bylines on College Football News, Pro Football Weekly, various different places inside the pylon, Pylon U Podcast. You've heard him host before. Jeff Fair, kind enough to join me for a few minutes tonight on the College Football News Podcast. What's up, Jeff? Nick, man, good to, good to talk to you. Glad college football is within our uh, within our sights. Yeah, I know it. It's like you wait all off season, you wait all summer, and finally, it's like, all right, the the day count is down to single digits. We're about to Miami, we're about to Florida. Have that to kick things off and be the be our counterpart for the rest of the summer into the fall. But I guess the the conversation starts when you bring up college football anymore, and it's like the NBA was for years with the Warriors and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Is it as simple to you? Do the numbers play out from everything you've seen that it's Clemson, it's Bama, or it's Bama, it's Clemson, it's a gap than Georgia and a gap in everyone else? My first reaction this season, following, especially following last season, was I'm ready for Alabama to run roughshod over everyone. I think it's going to be a revenge tour uh, that we've never seen before. Not that they need more motivation other than just having really good players. I think being – being handled on the national stage that they were last year, my number one thing looking looking out this year is 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 Bama is not is not will Clemson rebound? Are they the new Alabama? But I think Alabama's ready to just run through everybody. Uh, Clemson is typically lost. I think last year was unique that through the Brent Venables era, they've typically lost a lot of defensive players. Last year they they returned a lot for the, really the first time. I think they they've gone a few years where they they had lost at least half of the guys in their defense and still been good so this year i mean i'm still expecting that but they're top players all across the board now i mean you lost when you talk about farrell and wilkins and uh mitch hyatt a lot of leadership on that squad and you know trevor lawrence probably the best quarterback in the country but where is that other piece going to come from for clemson so that's how i look at it right now especially with those two teams i do think there are a number of teams down below them that are talented enough to have to make, to have a shot, but it would be really tough if I was putting any money on either on any teams this year to go against either Clemson or Bama. Yeah, I look at it in Clemson. I do have a little bit of concern just because how much of that defensive line you've seen stars go year after year after year with them, but just mm-hmm. the this year it's like, well, it's a collective whole. Holy cow! Like that's a ton of NFL talent they lose. I just don't look at their schedule and who's supposed to scare me. Like I, I honestly. Do not have an answer on that. Like who is Texas A and M's an interesting game early on, but there's no reason they shouldn't just run rampant over the rest of the ACC. South Carolina is not going to give them a scare. It's going to be a team that's 13 and 0 again come college football playoff, and then it's them against Bama, them against Georgia, them against whoever. And there's no reason they're not one of the two or three best teams in the country. I mean, the Georgia Tech opening game is going to be pretty pretty rough for for the Yellow Jackets just because they're they're changing schemes. But I think A&M, I mean, you saw how tough A&M played them last year mm-hmm. um, at home. Granted, it was at it was at A&M. But you saw how tough they played them last year. And I think this A&M team will be better than they were last year. And this Clemson team may be a little worse. So catching them early. Then you go at Syracuse the next week. And two years ago, they lost in the Dome, in the Carrier Dome. Uh, so that's a tough early game, especially with the experienced Syracuse team coming back. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the schedule isn't that rough. It's really those those games early on. Because the rest of the time they get BC at home. I like BC, but getting them at home, I don't think that's going to be a tough one. Florida State at home, again, 
Florida State should bounce back and play better, but I don't see them giving a scare. So it's really those the game two and game three. And past that, um, it, it really goes to, is Clemson going to be test, tested enough during the regular season to be ready to play those tougher teams in the, the playoff this year? Yeah. If they get to the playoff this year, I'm already saying when. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty much, to me, it's a when. It's a game of yeah. when. Like, I, I don't see... Like Syracuse to change a quarterback, I, I I'm not as thrilled with Syracuse this year. I was surprised when their first number came out and it was like a five and a half win total. It got bet all the way up to like eight, eight and a half. I'm not as big on Syracuse this year. That Texas A&M game I think is is going to be one of the better games this season, especially non-conference games for the year. But I I just don't see something in the ACC. It's Clemson. It's a huge gap and it's a lot of question marks. After that, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting though is looking at the rest of the SEC. I mean, the talent obviously speaks for itself. Like, how close for you is LSU to Bama or Florida to Georgia? Because I think it's it's almost like you view that conference right now as the rest of college football views Clemson versus Bama. It's a countdown until it's Bama in Georgia in Atlanta. I mean, how real is a threat from Florida? How real is a threat from anyone else in the West for, for Alabama this year? Yeah, I put Bama in the tier one by themselves, but I would I would group LSU, Georgia, and Florida together in that next tier. I mean, Florida's offensive line is it might be an issue. LSU's defense is going to be a killer. I mean, that's that's a squad right there with you know, with Delpit, with Fulton, with Lawrence, uh, where you're going to have a ton of guys that we're going to see on Sundays that are going to be a problem. It's just whether or not Joe Burrow can continue what he did last year, and that's always been the question with LSU: Are they going to get a playmaking out of the quarterback position on offense? Uh, but I do, I do like LSU a lot this year. Uh, Georgia, I mean, Jacob Fromm has got to play a little better. They're going to have, they're going to have a, a good offensive line. They're going to have DeAndre Swift, Demetrius Robinson. Uh, and then that defense, they're always going to have guys coming out with the recruiting classes that they've been putting out. And then Florida, I mean, Felipe Franks has got to play the way he's supposed to play, I think the way they expect him to play in Florida. So I would put those teams on, on one tier. And I know off air we talked a little bit about Mississippi State, and I was surprised to see some of the numbers behind them this year. And we, we know another year more heads offense. Kylan Hill is a playmaker for them. Did lose a lot in Abram and Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons on defense, but I do think Mississippi State is another squad on that maybe a, a third tier with A and M right now. And A and M is going to be coming up. I mean, A and M looked really good on the national stage a few times last year, and I think Jimbo's going to have them playing well. I, 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 it's hard to look at Bama in the same group as any of these guys right now. But I do think there are a number of teams in the SEC that can give people a scare this year. Yeah, the A&M thing, it's, you look at their schedule and it's Clemson, ridiculous. And then they're, yeah, Texas State and Lamar out of conference, but they're at LSU, they're at Georgia this year, Mississippi State on the schedule, Auburn on the schedule. It's like there's no slouches for them. That's got to be amongst, if not the toughest schedule for any team in the entire country this season. Yeah, and Auburn's going to be tough again, too. Auburn's, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, this is not, and I guess this is kind of the, not to, not to draw comparisons across sports, but, you know, how Izzo gets his team ready in the regular season for, for um, the tournament. I mean, this is, they're ready every year for the playoff because they do play a tough schedule. They've got a cupcake sprinkled here or there, but they didn't shy away two years ago when they played Florida State in the, national, in the first game of the season on a neutral field. They said, let's go. Mm-hmm. They rolled the ball out, and they took care of business. So that's that's never a concern with me for Bama. I never look at the schedule with Bama. I look at the squad they have coming back, and right now you're looking at them having the probably the most talented quarterback they've had under Saban, the most talented most talented receiving core they've had under Saban, another awesome running back in Najee Harris who finally get his share of the carries, and then a ton of guys on defense. So 
Bama's going to be trouble, and the schedule really doesn't matter. You mentioned the quarterback, Tua Tunga-Viola. I always have arguments with Pete. seems like everything that we start talking about, he's more of a Tua guy. I think that Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in college football. I think he's going to be the most decorated college football player by the time he goes to the draft a couple years from now, and I think he's going to probably lead them to another national championship in the next two seasons. I think he's going to be as decorated as anyone probably since Tim Tebow that we've seen. You have to take one of those for their NFL careers from what you've seen so far. Which one do you, are you taking? Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is Thank you. God, see, I, I wish think... <laughs> Pete was here because he just, I don't see it. I don't see it as much. Pete, I, hope you download this and listen you, to this. I don't know how you can not see it. I mean, I, I like Tua, but when I'm looking at guys within the lens of, and maybe this is a personal preference thing too, Nick, is I look at guys like Justin Herbert even above, above Tua. And that's interesting. We're looking at, you know, arm strength. We're looking at, I mean, he's, we're looking at build. I mean, we try not to because there's been people that have succeeded at the NFL level with a not typical build. And people reference Drew Brees, people reference Russell Wilson. But more times than not, it's people built like Trevor Lawrence that succeed at the NFL level. And you see him, I mean, God, zip the ball. I mean, he's throwing. He's throwing out patterns across the field on a, I mean, just zipping it in there. And Tua, and listen, Tua has made a lot of plays. Tua can keep plays alive. He's heady. He's smart. He's tough. And he's got, a, he's got a ton of skills in it. He's going to be a first round pick. But if you're asking me one of those guys, Trevor Lawrence with a bullet. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And I can just hope that our guy Pete Futek is listening to this and shaking his head and disagreeing somewhere. <laughs> Far, far away. Um, some things to look at nationally here. Uh, I obviously have to bring up the Big Ten. I think that's local for both of us. Are you buying the Michigan hype? Not until they actually do something. Right. I mean, the time they the time they had to do it was when they had it was the Peppers team two years ago. That was the squad I had pushed all my chips in on. I was like, these guys are making the playoffs. This is the team that's going to do it. And you, you know, again, another lost Ohio State. So. That was by far the most talented team they've had under Harbaugh. And with all the losses on defense this year, you know, Devin Bush and Winovich, and, I mean, Shea Patterson didn't really show me much last year. Um, I just – I'm kind of like in a wait-and-see mode with them. I'm going to say they're not going to do it until they actually do it. It's where I am at with it, too. It's just – I get it. They don't lose games they're not supposed to lose, and there is something to be said for that. But they don't beat – Tell me when Jim Harbaugh's beaten a team at Michigan that has anywhere near as much talent as him. It it hasn't happened yet. Right. And it's like I just look at it and it's okay. Like and that schedule is yeah, they get Notre Dame at home. Yeah, they get Ohio State at home. Like that Wisconsin game, they have to travel to Wisconsin. That's not gonna be easy. To Penn State. I know Penn State's kind of in a rebuild type of season going on with them but you get Penn State middle towards the end of the year like that's going to be a different team then than it is going to be like if you were playing them in September or late September and I think that's kind of I don't know I just look at that Michigan team and until they actually show me I can't get on board with it so does that mean you're full on board with Ohio State because I I threw one by Pete who I think is going to win the Big Ten and it wasn't either one of those is it, was it Ohio State for you then that you're still fully on board with winning the Big Ten uh I was looking at I was looking at futures bets for Michigan State Thank you. Call oh me crazy. God. I didn't realize that with you, but yeah, that's what I told Pete the other day. 
And he oh, did me, you really? Like, I had three heads. I told him, like, when you have the best defense in the conference, I don't think that's uh-huh. much of a question. Maybe they, you can look at Ohio State and say, all right, there's more NFL talent on their defense. Yeah. There's, there's not a better defensive unit than Michigan State in this conference. And tell me which coach in the Big Ten you take over D'Antonio. Because I, I don't think there is one. And that's not to say that Ryan Day can't turn into that. He's not that yet. Like, you mix the best defense with the best coach in offense that I just don't think can be anywhere near as bad as it was last year. Not to say it's going to be anything special. And I'll take my 10 to 1, 12 to 1 chances on that. And if you remember before last season, which Big Ten quarterback, name me a Big Ten quarterback that was getting more love than Brian Lewerke. There wasn't many. No. There, if any. And he was banged up all last year. He was not healthy at any point during last season. If he's healthy now, that's a team that 17 starters back. D'Antonio typically has that team play better than the talent on the on, on the talent they have at the beginning of the year. They always they always outplay their talent, and that's a team that I often look to if I'm looking for a team to exceed expectations. You know, I look at Iowa because it seems like every other year Iowa has a good year. They and then they go down and they go back up. They go down a little bit. Always kind of hovering around nine and three, six and six. But with Michigan State. Before that 2016 kind of blip on the radar, last year they definitely underplayed. But aside from that, they've constantly outperformed. And like you said, this is the best defense in the Big Ten. Maybe not the most talented, but the best unit in the Big Ten. And then if Lewerke is healthy, they're going to be a problem. And Michigan, they're not afraid to play Michigan at, in Ann Arbor. No, not whatsoever. And, yes, they have to go to Ohio State. They have to go to Wisconsin in back-to-back weeks. I'm not saying they're going to run the table in the Big Ten, but Mm -hmm. I I think they have plenty of talent. They have a a pain-in-the-ass defense that's going to, I feel like, knock one of these teams off, if not two of them. And all of a sudden, they're right there in the running. And with this whole thing that's been made all offseason of, oh, is this the year Ohio State finally falls to Michigan? Can the Wolverines finally get by? Like Michigan might not be only the best team in their own damn state, let alone their own division or conference. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I look at Michigan State and I just think that's the formula of if you want success, that that is, that's what you're looking at, and that's a team that I think is going to surprise and turn a lot of heads this season. Looking out a little bit more nationally, uh, Big Twelve wise, uh, Oklahoma second year in a row they replace a first overall pick and a Heisman Trophy winner. How much is the fall off there? Because it's not just that. It's an offensive line that loses four starters as well. Is is this like finally the time that Lincoln Riley gets to deal with the the tough like overhaul of a roster college football wise, or is it just the machine that just kind of reloads and keeps going for them? I think in that conference, especially when you, you do have a, if you have a talented quarterback in that Lincoln Riley offense, and as much as Jalen Hurts was maligned during his time in Bama. He's a talent, and he's a, he's a highly rated recruit for a reason. He put up numbers for a reason. I think he's going to be. I think they're going to be just fine. C.D. Lamb, arguably the biggest playmaker in the country on the outside. They're stacked at tailback. They, they Creed Humphrey is maybe the best player in the Big Twelve in the offensive line at center. They have to replace everybody else, but they've done that before. They, they Oklahoma gets guys. That's mm-hmm. that's not what they're for. And defensively. It, defense is never really their calling card. It's, it hasn't been for quite some time um, since early in the Stoops era. But they're going to put up points, and they're going to. That's in Big Twelve, the team that puts up the most points often is most successful. And I don't see anyone on that schedule right now. Outside of, I mean, people are blowing up Texas. It almost seems like the Texas train came a year early, and now everyone's jumping on board. Maybe a little too. Maybe they come back to earth a little bit this year. 
But TCU is the team, I think, in the Big 12 that is maybe going to give Oklahoma some problems. That's that's the squad I'm looking at right now that could give them some problems. Okay, why do you like TCU so much? Because I have somebody else in the Big 12 that I am very high on. It's one of the it's the coaching trust factor with, sure. with Patterson, man. It's they they often you know they've had at least eleven wins in three of the last five years. Um, they've got they've got twelve starters back, which isn't isn't a lot, but again, like I said, CD Lamb before Jalen Rieger is maybe one or one B to him, and as far as playmakers in the in the conference, and they it's an experience it's an experienced team. They've been through the ringer. Patterson is the best is my, in my estimation the best overall coach in the Big Twelve, and a lot of times if there's so a team I sort of like, sort of don't like, I lean toward the coach. And there's no one really on that TCU schedule that I can see them it's the at Oklahoma game that, again, jumps out to me. And I don't, know, I don't know why this year, when I look at the Big 12, it's really just Oklahoma and TCU that I'm looking at. Yeah, Texas is going to be good, but I do expect them to take a little bit of a step back from their, from their last season. Who's the team that you're looking at? I like, I like Iowa State. I, you, okay. you, you mentioned the coaching part of it, and I, that's yeah. kind of a common trend for me, too. That's why I like Michigan State so much is largely because of their coach. But I look at Iowa State, and sure, you have to replace an all-world running back last year in Montgomery, but you had probably the best freshman quarterback that wasn't named Trevor Lawrence in the entire country. Year experience with him. You get TCU at home. You get Texas at home for that team. I, I think that that's one that Matt Campbell right now, I expect him to be in the NFL before too long. I know Lincoln Riley's name's always the one in the Big 12 that gets thrown out there. Like I look at Campbell as a guy that's going to be coaching on an NFL sideline before long if he wants to. If not that, he's going to go to a big-time college program that's not named Iowa. And I kind of combine all of that, a favorable schedule, and I look at that as a team that's has a damn good shot to be playing in the Big 12 championship. And they've got the best front seven in the conference. They have an offensive line that returns all five starters, and they've got the best front seven on defense in the conference. Mike Rose, Jaquan Bailey, two guys that are going to be, are going to be hopefully more mm-hmm. known this season as they go through. I, I like Iowa State a lot, too, and I agree with you on Campbell. I mean, that guy is – the guy's a star, and he's going to be at a bigger job sooner than later. Yeah, that's the part that I see on it, and it's also they get Iowa at home. Not that that's important for, for in terms of deciding the Big 12, but at least in terms of a rivalry game and a game that's going to give them a little bit more uh, a little bit more exposure, and they beat Iowa early on. Uh, just kind of going through conferences here, uh, Pac-12, when you look at that in terms of talent, they haven't won a big game out of conference. I don't know <laughs> the last one. Probably the last time Stanford beat Notre Dame. I would probably be the last one that's considered. That but sounds about right, yeah. I, it just seems like it's few and far between when they get a marquee win against an out-of-conference opponent. Oregon takes on Auburn this year. Otherwise, chances, there aren't a whole heck of a lot of them. How does Oregon stack up against Auburn, and how does this conference kind of stack up to the rest of the Power Fives? I mean, Oregon, against, it seems like there's a lot of people on the, on the Oregon bandwagon this year, too. They, they returned 17 starters. I mean, Justin Herbert to how you want to look at it. He's would he would, would he have been your first quarterback had he gone? <sighs> had he gone out this year? Would he have been your first quarterback had he gone yeah. out to the draft? Yes. Yeah. And that's that's based on, I mean, it's a lot of it's based on projection because people mm-hmm. point to his completion percentage and say he hasn't completed enough passes for me. He's not as consistent as you like. I just think he has the look of a guy that, and you dig in because you didn't do the extensive NFL work on him or extensive film work on him because he didn't come out. But he's a guy that consistently made plays outside the pocket, inside the pocket. He's playing in front of or in back of one of the best offensive lines in the country, so that gives him a little clearance. But um, he made plays, and he's, he has the look of a quarterback and has the, t- has the tools of a quarterback that I like. So 
yeah, he would have been the number one guy I would have taken this year. And uh, that offensive line is something special, maybe the best offensive line in the country. Uh, Troy Dye on defense is a star at linebacker. They have playmakers in the outside, although I'm still waiting for Juwan Johnson the transfer from Penn State to make mm-hmm. a play. It seems like people have been talking about him for three years, and he still hasn't done anything. So waiting on that to happen. But if there's a team, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, but if there's a team that I'm looking to make a move in a Pac-12 this year, it's Utah. If, if Tyler Huntley is healthy at quarterback, I think that's the team with the best, best front four, one of the best front fours in the country, and then Jalen Johnson, who I expect to be a first-round pick at corner next year, I think that's a team that is going to be, and Kyle Whittingham, again, we go back to the coaching thing, is just a, a trusted coach, a guy that gets the most out of his teams. So I like Utah in that conference. But other than that, I mean, you're still looking for USC to rebound. Washington loses a, a Jake Browning for the first time in six years. He's not going to be starting quarterback for them. And then Stanford is always pretty good under Shaw. Washington State loses Minshew, a quarterback. So still a lot of unknowns. No one's really solidified themselves as a, as a consistent presence in the presence in that conference. You know, is Colorado one of these teams under Mel Tucker that's going to make a comeback? You know, Herm Edwards is still trying to do something in Arizona State. But Utah's the squad that I'm looking at this year to possibly do something in the Pac-12. So I don't know, I don't know how you're looking at that, but I, that's, that's the team that I would be picking. If anyone was going to come out of there and go to the playoff, I'd be looking at Utah. Yeah, I think Utah is probably – how should I put this? I don't, I don't want to say safe pick. I mean, you're the Utah Utes. But it's kind of – playing in the South is favorable to them. Last mm-hmm. year was such a weird year because quarterback gets hurt. They had – who else got hurt for them last year? I'm trying to remember. The what, running back. The Mom. running back, yeah. They both go down, and you think their season's over, and all of a sudden they take off, end up winning the South. Their offense is depleted by the time they get to the conference championship and one of the uglier conference championship games you'll see. They still went down to the wire against Washington in that game. Then they blew a big lead against Northwestern in their bowl game. So it's one of those of, like, it feels like last year was a nice, pleasant surprise for them. But I don't, I don't think that they're – I think Oregon or Washington, one of those teams, has the potential to be the best team. However, they also play with, you know, beating up on each other in, in playing in the same division. And by the time you get to the conference championship game, those guys could simply be playing for a Rose Bowl berth when Utah would have a potential spot shot at the playoff on the line. That, yeah, if there's a team that I think would be able to earn a spot to the playoffs based off of schedule, based off of where they'd be sitting entering conference championship weekend. I think I agree with you on it being Utah. I don't know if I buy them being the best team. I think that there's more talent, though, on Washington and Oregon's rosters, if that makes any sense. No, they, I, 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 would, I would even agree with you there because a, a lot of my pick in Utah is, is the coach factor and the, uh, the experience factor because I think there's a lot built into that Utah program. With Cristobal in his second year at Oregon, you're still kind of waiting to see what is he going to solidify there for the Ducks. But if you're looking at the team with the best quarterback and the best playmakers and the best offensive line, now I'm just kind of selling Oregon for a person that didn't even <laughs> pick Oregon. I'm going to sell Oregon for you. But, um, I mean, that's a, that's a good selection. And Washington is going to be interesting because I think Chris Peterson has – I think he's he's kind of got that program where could they – is this the year – this will be the test year. Is this a program now where you know they're going to be good year in, year out? They, they have been consistently bringing in guys, bringing in guys. And I think this is the first year without Browning, without Gaskin. You know, a lot of that, a lot of the face of that squad is, is gone now. And I know they, um, I know because of injury, they're bringing back, um, they're bringing back Trey Adams on the offensive line. Aaron Fuller is a, a stud wide receiver, an absolute stud wide receiver. But you know, they're 
it's it's the test year for Washington. I really want to see what happens with them. I'm very curious because I was a huge fan of them. I know we we had picked them much higher than they when they made the playoff in 16. I know we pinpointed them as a team to watch that year, and they they played outstanding. But I think Chris Peterson is again, and we're talking about coaches with with him and Whittingham and who else? D'Antonio. I mean, there's a lot of guys that because of their body of work, they have garnered more trust in people that watch college football as, as far as when you're making prog- prognostications for the year. Yeah, and it's, you always expect him to get better and improve as the year goes on, and it always feels like a safe bet. It's absurd that like you look at Utah, and now they're Pac-12 for a good decade or so now, so it has a different feel, but it's like this was little old Utah 15 years ago when Whittingham took over for, for a guy named Urban Meyer. It's like, oh, yeah, the old talks of, oh, maybe Utah can crash the BCS. Urban Meyer got him to do that. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe they can win one of these games against the big-time team. And Whittingham got him to do that. They beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl the one year. And all of a sudden it's like, it's a Pac-12 team, and you're realistically looking at it before the year. Like, oh, it wouldn't be that huge of an upset if the Utah Utes are in a college football playoff. It's just it's insane of, like, little old Utah has come and turned into this, and it's it, it just, it's kind of weird of looking back of what Utah sports were. It's like, oh, it was Michael Doliak and Keith Van Horn's team. That, that wasn't a football <laughs> program whatsoever when I was growing up, and now it's all of a sudden this. Uh, is there any— Rick, Rick Majerus. Yeah, Rick Majerus and his sweater and— yeah, <laughs> every... no, it's funny because I still look at the Utah. I look at in the council previews. I turn to like the Mountain West and still expect to see Utah there. I, I'm the not. same way. Like yeah. my dad always, when I was growing up, he would always call Memphis Memphis State. Like oh, my yeah. dad's a huge college basketball fan. You know, all Memphis State this, Memphis State that. I'm like, Dad, it's Memphis. There's no state on the end, and he wouldn't understand. I'm the same way with Utah. I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, they are in the Pac-12. Oh yeah, Colorado's in the Pac-12 too. When the hell did that happen? Oh my goodness. Um. Looking at it, non-Power 5 teams, uh, Notre Dame is a, is, is a team that I think the program is in better shape than it was a season ago, at least entering the year. But the way that the roster kind of breaks down, the way they have holes, I don't have good things for the Fighting Irish happening in Georgia and kind of being out of the playoff by then. Uh, outside of that, any other of the non-Power 5 teams have a chance at knocking on the door and making things interesting and causing chaos for the for the Final Four for the college football playoff to you? I mean, eyes always, I think the first Power 5 team my eyes always drift toward when been looking at previews before the season is Boise State, and that just shows you kind of the, the name brand that they've solidified in, in college football um, more. Uh, in Notre Dame, I mean, I'm the same way as you, and I know we can, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I will say that I, Often looking look at them more negatively than I probably should, <laughs> but I do I, I do see them taking a bit of a step back this year. And part of that is part of that is reality, and part of that is being a Notre Dame fan. You're kind of waiting for the the fall back the next year because we really haven't been able to string many seasons together that are consistently really really good. I think last year and the year before was really the first time that's happened in quite some time. I, I do think Ian Book's going to be good. Still some questions that offensive line. It's good every year, but. I, Kareem and Akwar are possibly the best defensive end combo in the country. But Coney and Tranquil and Julian Love, and those are, and Jerry Tillery up the middle, I mean, those are huge losses. And there's a lot of guys behind them that haven't seen much action because those guys played so much football. So a lot of questions there. But if there's one team in the, I think, outside the Power Five that I'm looking at that possibly makes a noise, and, and people will point to Central Florida. But again, let me go back to this here. If, if Brandon Wimbush is that quarterback, I've got some questions. Um, I'm with you. But uh, the I think throwing Cincinnati, the thing becomes an issue. Yeah, Cincinnati's the team. 
that I'm looking at this year. And I know Luke Fickle, and his, he'll be in his third year this year. Had him 11-2 last year. Uh, beat Virginia Tech in the bowl game. Uh, returning 14 starters. Desmond Ritter, a quarterback, is going to be a star. Maybe, uh, you know, potentially in like Lamar Jackson conversation coming up as a dual threat. Uh, Michael Warren at tailback. Their defense is, is lights out, led by James Wiggins at safety. Uh, a lot of guys that we're gonna that we're gonna hear about uh, in the future, and they're still pretty young too. I think a lot of these guys will be back for another year next year. So the Cincinnati team is not just gonna be a problem this year, but Luke Fickle's got them pretty well set up in that American Conference for the future. They go to Ohio State in Week Two, but other than that, I don't see a I don't see a game at Memphis the last Friday of the season is one of those underrated games of the year. I think that if both those teams are as good as they're supposed to be, and Memphis is supposed to be good again, I think that's gonna be a, a fantastic game to finish off the conference season before heading into the conference championship games. But I think Cincinnati is a team I could easily see, you know, going undefeated in conference into that Memphis game, the last game of the year, and maybe have a, uh... and again, the problem though is with your, if you're a non-power five school, you most likely need an undefeated record going to head into the playoff or make some noise in the playoff. If you're playing at Ohio state that second week of the season, uh, I don't know if that's going to work out so well for you, but Cincinnati's a team, I not only like for this year, but think Fickle's got the talent in that program on the up and up, and I look for big things for them in the next couple of years. How, how long do you think Fickle lasts there? Stays there? It depends on what jobs open up. I mean, because that's been a launching pad of late. Tennessee jobs really has come from there. Notre Dame jobs come from there. Fickle, obviously, the Ohio State ties doesn't seem like that's going to be open anytime soon. But like that has just been a launching pad to big time, like. And it's interesting, too, because seeing as that Fickle had that time at Ohio State as the head coach of Meyer was out, does he kind of look at it differently? He's had the taste of the big time. Does he want to maybe slow play this a little more? And he's still a young guy, very young. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's turned 40 yet. Um, but I wonder if he's going to be more patient, seeing as how it was at Ohio State, and it wasn't very successful. I believe they went 6-6 and the year he was there. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I hope, and a lot of times, I, I really hope some of these you, – you see this in college basketball, you see in college football. Some of these guys that see success in one or two years will jump at the first Power Five, school, first power five job that comes up for them. And you can understand it in some respects because it's a huge payday, and they may not – they never know what happens the next year, so you've got to take what you have. But there are other people that slow played a little bit more, and then they fall into the, the, the good job, and they're the really, really good job, the top-tier one. They build up more of a, a resume. So – I don't know about Fickle. Uh, it's 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 just interesting because I think he's he's seen how it is on the other side, and maybe we'll take a different approach to it. Jeff, appreciate you taking the time. It's been a lot of fun. You told us earlier it's Bama's world. The rest of everyone is just kind of living in it this football season. What's your biggest surprise you see coming here in 2019? Ooh, baby, I would say Harbaugh gets fired. Oh. Is that a surprise anymore? I mean, I think fired would be a surprise. I think underachieve, I, I'm with you. I, I think that that is, I think underachieve, that team has it written all over themselves. There's all this talk of, oh, my God, Shea Patterson, it's an offense that fits him better. It's his third offense in three different, his last three years playing football. Like, that's an excuse for NFL quarterbacks, but now it's going to be the difference maker for him at the collegiate level. I, I think this is a team. They lost a lot of NFL talent, by the way. Like, I think mm-hmm. this has regression written all over it and big time disappointment in Ann Arbor. Well, how about, how about Iowa, Iowa, Michigan state in the big 10 championship game? Oh, sign me up for that. What, what year was that? Like 2013 or 14 where it was mm. just the pounded out like 14 yep. to 10 yep. comeback Michigan state win. 
Sign me up for yeah. one of those. I, I know that the Big 12 thing is exciting, and I know that the SEC is putting up points more and more. I'm good for one of those every once in a while. I think the West is going to be a lot better this year, talent-wise. I mean, I think Minnesota is better. I think Purdue is better. I think Nebraska is going to be better. I think that, that and Northwestern's got the best quarterback they've ever had at the school. So, other than, let's not talk about Illinois. But <laughs> I, think the rest of that, I think the rest of that division is going to be so much better than we've seen. And yeah, they may they may knock each other around a bit, but the ta- not just the one lo- the one loss record hasn't been the problem that division. It's been the talent. They haven't had mm-hmm. teams that you look at and go that team could beat anybody. I think this year you're going to see the Big Ten West. You're going to see a bit of a resurgence as far as the talent goes in that comp- in that division. Yeah, I know that Illinois is seen as a step behind everyone else there, but how close is it one through six with the other six teams there for you? I mean, this so it's like you year. could take a dart and you just throw it and, okay, yep, Nebraska's going to finish first, Iowa's second, right. and Minnesota third, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. You could tell me the Big Ten West could have any – I would be most – the only one I'd really be truly out of, out of my shoes surprised for would be Illinois. The rest of them I could see potentially going to the conference championship game. I, I mean, this is probably going to be maybe, maybe the weakest Wisconsin team we've seen in quite some time. Um, I, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, obviously still there, but, you know, breaking a new quarterback, ton gone on defense. Um, but they're, I mean, they're consistently good. The rest of that team, I mean, Brahms got Purdue going, mm-hmm. Flex got Minnesota back. I think Minnesota's coming back with a ton this year. Uh, Northwestern's, Northwestern's always going to be Northwestern, but Illinois, this was supposed to be, this year is supposed to be the year they were competing for a bowl this coming season. So it's kind of put up or shut up time for them. How are you with the state of Illini? You're an Illini guy, like. State of them, state of the lovey thing, state of the rebuild, if you want to call it that. Like, where where are you at with the Illini? I mean, fandom included, and just casual observer. Just just frustration. Just I think people need to look at it realistically, and I think Lovey was a play. I think it would have been different if if Lovey had come to Illinois right after he he was at the Bears. I think that's a different draw. I don't know how many of these kids are really drawn to Illinois by Lovey Smith. Uh, I was a fan of the hire just because it was doing something different. It wasn't. It wasn't a. Re, it wasn't. It was one the of these first guys. time they were interesting ever, and that's a team that went to the Rose Bowl with Zook. I know in my life, but they were never even interesting. It's like Lovey at least brought that, but it quickly wore off. I was on campus the day that they hired him, and for a for a work thing, and I had to go into a meeting for a couple hours. I came out and the campus was plastered in Lovey Smith stuff, and I had never seen anything like that with Illinois, Illinois football probably since the Sugar Bowl. Um, or I'm sorry, since the Rose Bowl, but um, I, this is this is they've, they've got enough talent on that team, but schematically and strategically, during games throughout the last three years, they just have looked they, they've been lacking. And with the number the, the number of players you've seen move out of the program, MJ Rivers this year, um, Isaiah Williams is going to be a freshman quarterback. Reggie Corbin is is going to be a stud is a stud again at tailback. Offensive line's pretty good, but a lot of these guys have been. This will be the third year that they're seeing significant playing time. Four and eight last season. It's it's not crazy to me to see a two game improvement. It's not. I, the Ohio State's not on their schedule, uh, so that's a plus. They do play Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, um, and I, at Iowa. But getting six wins anymore is not a huge feat. And I would I wouldn't be surprised if they got the six wins. I would be shocked if they won the division. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Jeff. This was a ton of fun, like I said. We'll be checking in with you throughout football season. And uh, don't be a stranger, all right? Nick, thanks for having me, man. Good talking to you, and I can't wait for the season to start. 
Jeff Fair, you've read his work in Pro Football Weekly, College Football News. You've seen his byline inside the pylon. Big-time college football fan, college football junkie. Has tons of information on damn near any team that I brought up there, as you can tell. So make sure to follow all of his work as well at Jeff Fair on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to the College Football News Podcast. As always, I'm here. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Pete Futek regularly joins me as well. He's the one whose baby this whole thing is. Be sure, if you haven't already, check out some of the previous episodes. If you're getting ready for the college football season, some back there that you'll probably enjoy and probably learn things about some of the bigger programs. Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and more. Plenty of conference breakdowns and extensive previews as well as some very great guests, some big-time guests from big-time networks joined us to get you ready for the 2019 season. Until next time, I'm Nick Shepkowski. Have a great rest of your afternoon, evening, or night, whatever it may be. And keep it tuned right here for the College Football News Podcast coming at you all football season long.